0: So England have won the World Cup. They join the 73,
1: the 93, the 09 and now the 17 winners. What a performance by England. They've been simply outstanding. Hello and welcome to a South West London podcast looking ahead to the Women's Cricket World Cup. I'm Ollie Slack and alongside me is Kit Shepherd and George Lovett who will be picking Fantasy 11s from this year's tournaments. The rules are they must include at least one all-rounder, a wicket-keeper, and they can only pick a maximum of three players from any one team. Kit George, thanks for joining me. First we all, let talk about the tournament. It gets underway on Friday the 4th of March with host New Zealand taking on West Indies. Defending champions England kick off their campaign against the old enemy Australia on Saturday at 1am. Looking forward to it, Kit.
0: Very much so, Ollie. I think it's going to be a really, really good tournament. Obviously, Australia are the big favourites. I think the road to the title will go through them. Although England, of course, are the defending champions. But I think we've really seen in the last kind of few years, maybe since that 2017 World Cup that England won, and especially in this country after the 100 last year, that women's cricket's really on the rise and it's got a really... The player pool kind of globally, it's not just about Australia and England anymore, like New Zealand, the grey, South Africa, West Indies, India. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of good cricket played and a lot of teams that can win this tournament. So it's going to be a good one.
2: George, what about you? Oh, well, I'm really excited. I'm just, I've really missed having cricket on for the past sort of few weeks. It feels like it's been ages since the Ashes finished. So it just be nice to listen to the radio in bed and drift off to sleep listening to the cricket. Uh, but in terms of the tournament as a whole, I think it's going to be a great tournament. It feels like it's been an age since 2017 and that great day at Lords when uh, England managed to beat India, thanks to Anya Shrub-Soul's, uh fantastic bowling on that day. So it's going to be a, a really great tournament. And like Kit said, there's so much depth in the women's game compared to where it was even, even at the last World Cup. So uh, it should be a great tournament. And uh, there's a lot of players who we're looking
1: forward to seeing, who I think we'll, we'll be mentioning later on in the pod. Yeah, hopefully the English women's team can do a bit better than some of the England teams been doing over the past uh, few weeks. And you'll be drifting off to sleep with some positive, positive radio coverage in your ears as opposed to some uh, negative. Tell us a bit more about that 2017 World Cup though, because it was such a historic day at Laws, wasn't it, for England, that win over India?
2: Yeah, well, it was an incredible tournament all round for, for England. They They lost that first fixture. On the uh, on the opening day to to India, and then went on to this really incredible run in their remaining six league games. They beat South Africa. They had a really close game against Australia that they managed to win by three runs. And it was uh, it was a really great tournament, just watching them grow as a team, and uh, especially Heather Knight as a as a leader. And then they had that semi final against um, South Africa, in which they just held on. Uh, Anya Shrobsol hitting a four off the last ball to seal that place at at Lords. And I think that final is the thing that most people are going to remember about that tournament. The fact that it was a, it was a sold out Lords, the, uh, all the kind of pre-match, uh, pre-match talk as well about what this is going to mean for women's cricket. They had, uh, they had images of great female cricketers such as Rachel Peho Flint on the, on the big screen. It was just such a celebration of, of women's cricket. And then the match itself really delivered. It was quite similar in a lot of ways to the men's final two two years later. That it wasn't a match full of like fours and sixes, but it was just a really even contest. England managed to get up to a half decent score, and then India looked to be cruising at one point, and then uh, somehow somehow collapsed. I don't know whether it was great bowling or or just uh, just the pressure got to them, and England going on to win by nine runs. And it was an incredible day, and um, I think one that everyone who was there really kind of open their eyes to, to women's cricket and probably for a lot of young people there cricket in general your memories from the day kit
0: from a day i mean it was george, george i think said all that needs to be said about the game itself it was a, a really really tense game brilliant finish brilliant obviously for us as england fans to see our team get over the line but i think it goes back to what i was saying at the start about that tournament showcased that there are so many great women's cricketers and so many great women's cricket teams now um like we barely mentioned australia there who as it was then and as it is now all roads to the time to go for australia but the the beauty of tournament cricket the beauty of modern women's cricket is that they, they can be beaten and in, i mean in the semi-final they lost to india harman pre makes one of the one of the great cricket innings full stop we talk about men's women's tests or the
1: whatever um, and I think it's, we're going to see more of that in New Zealand this time. Yeah, it really was a celebration, wasn't it, women's cricket, as you said, that final back in 2017. We're going to celebrate women's cricket a little bit more now the next 25 minutes or so, because we're going to get you two to pick your best 11s from the players playing at this year's World Cup. Now, there are five players that you haven't agreed on. We'll come to those in a little bit, but six you have agreed on. And we're going to start with the batters. Let's get some of the openers then. At one and two, you've both picked Smriti Mandana and Shafali Verma of India. George, tell us why you opted for those
2: two. Well, I opted there for them because uh, one of the things that makes them what makes it so enjoyable to watch them bat is the is the contrasting styles between the two. Mandana is such an elegant batter, plays almost like David Gower, some shots, lovely cover drives and things like that. And then you've got Shafali Verma, who is still only 18 years old, um, who's just an incredible, incredible player. The power she has, I think she showed that a lot of that during the 100 playing for the uh, Birmingham Phoenix. And those two together complement each other so well in that those two com- contrasting styles that make it so hard for um, teams to play against. So that's why I've gone, gone for them. They've got incredible records and they're incredible to watch as well.
1: And you feel it's important for... The opening partnership to perhaps have that that contrast but also work well together
2: i think i think it does in any cricket really to have uh, kind of two two players who can do different things and who can complement each other and i think that's that's really important
0: for this team and, and any team
1: kit what did you want for those two
0: i think they're an excellent opening partnership together to be honest when i'm picking a team i want i think about an opening partnership i don't think about two openers and those two players as george said complement each other really well Mandana um, was great in, in the 100 last year I think it was for the Southern Brave who were the outstanding team in the tournament even though they, they just fell short and Chavali Verma was also brilliant in, in the 100 for the Birmingham Phoenix um, scores at a, a ridiculous rate he scores almost like at a T20 pace even in, in women's ODI and yeah they're just an excellent opening partnership and they're going to be a, a real
1: force in New Zealand George mentioned the, the cover drive and the lots like like David Gower and how beautiful that cover drive can be. You can often rely on Indian cricketers, can't you, just to have sound techniques, beautiful techniques.
0: Yeah, you can, and I think
1: we've I mean
0: the India, when you talk about the men's team, they've always had the that kind of the game's revered there more than anywhere else. And that's led to them always having this incredible depth and the men's team in this in the last few decades, even if they haven't been necessarily dominant. And I think we are, we're seeing the start of that now in, in women's cricket. We're starting to see these this new Indian generation come through. We're going to talk about some of the others, but um, George mentioned the ages of Mandana and Shefali Burma. These are two players that have got their whole careers ahead of them, essentially. And they're kind of two real embodiments of where Indian
1: women's cricket is going, and that's up. Yeah, so Smriti Mandana and Shefali Burma your two opening batters. Tammy Beaumont she didn't include George. Why didn't you offer for Tammy Bowman? Obviously, one of England's best players.
2: Well, yes, yeah, she was She was player of the tournament in the last one. I, I think her form has just slightly dropped off since then. Um, she generally plays as an opening, opening batter, so those two spots were taken. So I opted not to put her in, but she's still a fantastic player. I just
1: thought, on this occasion, is she quite at that world-class level right now? I wasn't so sure. OK. Uh, Lizelle Lee, another name that springs to mind when you think of fantastic Overs in the game right now, Kit?
0: Well, to be honest, um, you mentioned, Oli, that we have to stick to kind of three players per country. And I wanted to get um, other South Africans in there, to be honest. And we're gonna, I don't want to reveal who they're to be. No <that good laughs> spoilers. <laughs> um, but Lizelle Lee, excellent player, technically assured, scores, scores quickly as well. Um, but she she just didn't make the cut for me and um, went for the India pad.
1: Okay, let's move on to number three. And George, you've picked England's captain Heather Knight. She didn't score too heavily in the Ashes ODIs, but of course, we all remember that fantastic 168 knot out in the Ashes test against Australia. It's a brilliant captain's knock from Heather Knight. A second test
0: century. And so well-deserved. Fantastic moment for the skipper. Soak it up, Heather Knight. You've hit 100 on this ground in T20 internationals. You can now add a test match century to your name and your team was in
1: trouble. Why did you pick the England skipper?
2: Well, mainly for, the, for that innings in Australia. That fantastic. I know it's a different format, but still class is permanent no matter, uh, no matter how long the match is. And she's uh, an experienced player. She's, you know, she's... Won the World Cup as a captain. Um, she also offers a, a lot with the ball uh, in the middle overs, bowling a lot of cutters, things like that. So I think she's a, she's an all-round cricketer, really experienced, got heaps of runs behind her, and yeah, I'd want her in the team for just for all those reasons. That, that experience, that ability of bat and the ball. She's an all-round
1: player, and she'd be my captain as well. Mm-hmm. Picking her as your captain, of course, having. Won the tournament back in 2017. She's the defending champion, defending captain. Kit, you went for Beth Mooney, who's averaging, has staggering 44 in one international. So really, really found her form in this format. There it is. A misfield off Tamari's bowling brings up an
2: outstanding hundred for Beth Mooney. It's been a joy to watch. What
1: a great innings by Beth Mooney.
0: Her form, Full Stop, has been brilliant recently. She's coming off um, a brilliant Women's Big Batch campaign over the winter. Women's Big Batch is by far the, the best um, women's franchise tournament in the world. It's not particularly close at the moment. Um, yes, she got the most runs in the tournament, 547, that included 450s and 100. But she's a versatile batter. She can hit it a long way, but she's also a really good touch player. You know, she's got flicks, little scoops that I'm sure we'll see. In this World Cup, she can keep wicket as well. Um, she can basically do it all really short of bowling um, as she's behind the stumps. And just last thing, she came back from a fractured jaw that was, or many people thought was going to keep her out of the ashes to score 63 in the test and then 73 in one of the
1: IDIs. So that's the sort of player I want in my team that could, that comes back from pretty gruesome injuries. Yeah, pretty, pretty feisty character then. She's your wicketkeeper as well. Yeah. But there'll be England fans listening to this thinking, how can you not include the captain of the former champions, Heather Knight, George Scott, Well,
0: I think a lot of Heather Knight's qualities are her leadership. She's a brilliant batter. We saw her in the test match. She can score runs. Um, but I think, as George Riley said, she's um, a good captain and a good leader as well. However, I have chosen a different player to captain myself, I think, is an equally good, if not slightly better, captain than Heather Knight um yeah let's move
1: on let's move on to it at number four Um, you've got Meg Lanning yeah so
0: Meg Lanning this was part of the reason why like Heather Knight brilliant Meg Lanning just a little bit better she's she's led this incredible this latest incredible generation of Australian cricketers she's been captain since 2014 at a very young age but she took to it brilliantly she's won world titles before I think three T20 World Cups she's been captain of for Australia, she's led the Menasha series, scored runs as well. And she's just like one of the the superstars of women's cricket, really. She'll do whatever it takes for her team to win. She's a, a prolific run scorer, as good as anyone in the game. And that's what just put her ahead of the night for me
1: so good that you've also picked her as well George she slots in at number four for you too I have yeah it
2: was a toss-up in terms of the captaincy between Lanning and Knight but there was no doubt that I wanted Lanning in my in my team she's been the linchpin of that Australian batting lineup for years and years now and like like Kit said she's an incredible player you'd be mad not to have her in your team considering what she's done over the last few years in terms of the runs she's scored the tournaments that she's won she's a real kind of winner is going to drag any team that she's in to, to uh, getting over the line. So yeah, there's no doubt. I wanted her in my team.
1: So you go. You both got Meg Lanning at number four. Let's move on to number five and your last out and out batter. A position that you differ on here, Kit. Let's start with you. You've gone for Stephanie Taylor of West Indies, and she's got phenomenal statistics: 46 with the bat and averaging 22 with the ball in one international cricket. But it's at eighth in the the, the all rounder rankings, it's surprised by
0: that as low as that. I'm not surprised because the ICC rankings are a conversation <laughs> for a different podcast, and I don't want to go on, on one of my so ranks. you'd rank her higher. I would rank her higher, I think any a half decent metric would, but any I digress. Um, <laughs> S- Stefani Taylor, another world cup winning captain, captain of the West Indies to T20 glory in 2016, also the leading run scorer in that tournament, experienced. Um, 137 ODIs she's played, first of which was way back in 2008. But yeah, she's a, she's a really classy player, quite wristy, bottom-hand dominant. Um, which it is, She's kind of in that classic West Indian star really, and she's great to watch, really strong, pretty offside, especially undercut. Um, and I think one day, uh, well, 50 over cricket is her best format. She doesn't have a huge strike rate um, at just under 70. But that, that's good enough for one day cricket, and her and record really speaks for herself. And I know this is my last specialist batter position, but she can also bowl very handy off breaks, averaging twenty two, and one of the
1: one of the best all-rounds in the world, really. Yeah, a formidable top five: then Smriti Mandana, Shafali Verma, Beth Mooney, Meg Lanning, and Stephanie Taylor. George, complete your top five. You've gone with Alyssa Healy. Of Australia and she's also got the gloves on.
2: Yes, I have I have gone for Alyssa Healy. Um yeah, she's again another player who's been part of that incredible Australian team. Uh there are questions about whether she's going to keep wicket in this coming tournament for Australia, but I think they'd be uh I think they'd be right to keep her in that in that spot because she's done it so well for for such a long time. She actually has more dismissals in international. T20s than MS Dhoni and, uh, well, everyone else for that matter. So that's how good she is. And she's, again, a fantastic batsman. She's probably a little bit, a little bit low at number five. Again, all these players you could bat in any position, but she's, uh, yeah, she's a fantastic player who gets those runs and clearly gets a
1: lot of dismissals as well. So that's why she's in my team. Yeah, another very good top five for you, Smriti Randana, Shafali Verma, you were both agreed on those two at the top of the order. Heather Knight is your captain at three, Meg Lanning at four and Alyssa Healy at five. Let's move on then to the all-rounders, a key position in, in any side, especially in white ball ODI cricket. Let's start with a player you've agreed on first of all, in the name of Talia McGrath. Kit? Why did you pick her? Because her, her average in, in one of the national cricket is, is pretty average, but she is a, she's burst onto the scene of late. Like...
0: Yeah, I thought some might call it recency bias, but um, it's become a growing theme of this podcast, really. Tony McGraw is another one of those cricketers, which symbolizes where the game's going. She was excellent in the women's ashes. She pretty much won the, the first T20 of that competition on her own, um, scoring a score and a half century and taking wickets. Um, and that was crucial because that got Australia ahead in the series. The next two games are rained off. You know, they couldn't be caught after that. Um, but she's she's a, a new kind of women's cricketer. She's she's more powerful, I'd say. She can, it sounds really basic, but she can just hit it further, um, bowl faster than, um, than maybe some of her predecessors. And one of those predecessors being someone like Elise Perry, who's, um, I said Meg is one of the superstars of, of women's cricket. At least Perry is the superstar of women's cricket. But Tyler McGrath's come in and, and sort of usurped her in the last kind of couple of months or so. So I think on,
1: on that basis alone, she has to be in there as an all-rounder. And similar reasons for you, George, to include her in that number six spot. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd agree with Kit on... Uh... On all
2: of that, the fact that we're not putting Elise Perry in either of our teams shows how good Talia McGrath has been. She was Australia's standout performer of that Ashes victory. She she can do it all. She can bat. She bowls quick. She's a she's a great great player all round. And uh, I think it, it is a form selection really, but I think that form is going to continue. And she's only just shown what she can do so far in what has. I think she's she's twenty five, but she hasn't really played that many matches. So she's only really getting a, a properly good run in the team now because it is so hard to get into that Australian team. And I think, yeah, she's going to go on to be one of those real superstars
1: of the women's game and become a real dominant performer. Yeah, you're right about Elise least being that superstar of the women's game over the past decade. Should she be worried, Kit, then? Should she be worried? Yeah. I think on a personal level, when you, when you lose your place, there's always
0: going to be a bit of self-preservation kicking in and you're worried about about your own future and and yeah i'm sure she will be she's had a long career maybe the game's moving on a bit of strike rope for the bats come under question in the shorter formats um so yeah she, she might be worried i don't know what she's like as a person though because for australia cricket it's only a good thing that you've got new new names like target mcgrath coming through and she's by no means the only one so, Yeah, personally, at least Perry may be a little bit worried, but I don't think that will be bothering the Australian general public too much. And, um, yeah, people Australians called McGrath tend to <laughs> tend still right in
1: cricket, so so they'll like that too. Yeah, don't we know? Yeah. Let's move on to the second all rounder spot. You've both gone for Kiwis, you've George, you've plumped for Amy Safawait, Kit for Amelia Kerr. George, let's start with you and talk about Safawait. What Safferwaite. do you like
2: about her? I like, uh, well, she's uh, new Zealand's vice-captain. So, again, you've got those leadership qualities. Uh, she's 35 now, but she's almost going to a new purple patch in her career in terms of what she's doing at the moment. Uh, she offers an option with the ball as well, but spin, which I am I am lacking in this team. Um, she's got seven ODI hundreds, which is a really incredible record for a, for a women's cricketer playing for New Zealand who don't play that many games. Short sure. and pulled away. And with that shot, Amy Sethwaite will bring up her 7th ODI 100 and what a performance it's been from the classy left-hander. Leading New Zealand towards victory, appreciated by her teammates, showing again her worth to this New Zealand side. She's a, she's a really good option to have in the team, an experienced player who's, yeah, who is on another
1: great run of form. Hmm. Amelia Kerr, you went for Kit, recently scoring 92, and I'm beating 92 against Australia in the World Cup warm-up match on the 1st of March, so pretty good touch.
0: I think this is a really interesting comparison between Kerr and Saftafwe, because obviously both New Zealanders, Kerr is a lot, lot younger. She's only 21 at the moment. She was 16 when she made her debut, which is ridiculous. Yeah, they're both all-rounders. But she's very different around ramelia Kerr. She's a much more destructive batter. She both leg spin rather than finger spin, which is, is just more valuable in the in shorter format. So all the all the smart people with the computers say that these days. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm not. We used uh, to George. That's, that that's <laughs> explains your selection. It um, does. But yeah, as I say, she made a debut at 16, and success, it seemed, inevitably followed. She's hit 232 in a woman's ODI, that's the highest school by a woman in that format. She took five for to 17 in the same game, by the way. Um, Who were they playing? Um, Thailand? They're playing Ireland, that's another <laughs> emerging cricket nation. I mean, could you hit 232? I can you know? hit probably two, so. Exactly, it was a pretty good effort, I'd she's say. She's had a day out there. Not being about bumps in the road, Amelia Kerr's career, she's just coming off almost a year out of the game with a mental health break. Um, but she's back and she's firing. You said what she did against Australia overnight. She had a really good series against India last month with 50s, 100s, joint leading wicket taker. So Amelia Kerr's back, needs business, and could be the tournament's breakout star.
2: Oh, how is it missed? Outstanding spell. What a great over from Amelia Kerr. Three wickets and a maiden.
1: Yeah, let's quickly chat about New Zealand's chances. They beat Australia by nine wickets in that warm-up match, chasing 321 in 43 overs. Now, the conversation before the tournament was generally amongst most journalists, "Who's going to stop Australia?" Well, New Zealand just did that emphatically as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, they've shown as much as it's, it's as much of a statement as you can make in a warm-up match, I'd say. And it's a it's a really impressive statement. It's a it's an emphatic victory over. The, the clear favourites for the tournament I would caveat with that with saying it, it was just a warm-up match I think while Australia played close to a full-strength team their frontline bowlers didn't really bowl there for that occasion it seemed like they were trying to share it out a bit so it's a really good sign for the tournament in terms of competitiveness but I wouldn't take it as a sign that um, New
1: Zealand could deal out to Australia in the main competition okay let's move on to bowlers then and start with you George You've opted for Marizanne Cap from South Africa. Let's start with her first because Kit has also included her. But why did you include her, George?
2: I wanted her in the team because uh, she's very good at the bat and she's also very good at the ball. She partners um, another player who I'm going to get to, another South African player, very well. Uh, she's one of the kind of quicker bowlers on the circuit. So that's why I wanted her in the team. She's a good fielder. Uh, She's a good all-round cricketer, really, um, and she's yeah, she's been around for for a few years now. Yeah, she's got a good average with the bat over over twenty-five, which for an option coming in at at number eight is is really useful to have. Um, she was part of the Oval Invincibles team, uh, who won the who won the women's hundred, who had a a large sort of South African contingent in their team, and uh, yeah, so she knows how to she knows how to win. Uh, big tournaments, and I think she'll be really useful for South Africa, who
1: perhaps going into this tournament as dark horses for a lot of people. Yeah, This is where you'll need your tail to start to wag a bit, George. You've got Sophie Eccleston coming in at number nine.
2: Yeah, Eccleston, um, she can hit a long ball from time to time. Um, uh, perhaps her stats don't necessarily suggest a, a burgeoning through of the bat, but that's not why she's in the team. She's in the team for what she can do with the ball, and she is probably the leading spinner. In, in my book, in women's cricket, she's uh, very economical, very accurate, uh, puts the ball on the sixpence. And, yeah, she's uh, she's just a really fiery performer as well. And she's so integral to what England do. She can keep it really tight, which means that teams can have to go over go after the other bowlers in the middle overs. And, uh, yeah, she, she offers, yeah, she can hold up an end ball, so take wickets. So I think she's a, she's a complete spinner, really. And uh, that's
1: why she's in my team. Yeah, she's been a real consistent performer for England over, over many years now. You also included Kit Marizan Cap and Sophie Eccleston too. I did. So I'll just expand
0: on what George said about Cap in terms of she's a winner. So she won the uh, hundreds, as we know, of the Open Invincibles. Um, but she's also had loads of success in a big bash. She's won the tournament with the Sydney Sixers in her five year stint there. Last last season, she made the switch to the Perth Scorchers and she, she won it with them too. So she's just, uh, like some players, I guess, just have that knack of, of winning and winning the big games.
1: An omen for South Africa,
0: perhaps? Potentially. I mean, they weren't expected to win. The, I don't want to compare the 100 to the 50 year <laughs> World Cup necessarily. But yeah, they won. The Oval Invincible went into that that find against the Southern Braves huge underdogs. And then Cat was a star of the show as they they caused the upset on the day so but South did, Africa no
1: mugs obviously
0: semi yeah, in 2017 yeah I mean do, do, does that analogy mean they're definitely going to win a tournament absolutely not What well, I think it does show is that South Africa have got players that, that can compete with anyone on their day and, and more often than not their day is is on the big occasion it seems
2: like we could easily be sitting here with South Africa as the reigning champions considering how close they, they pushed England in the semi and then you look at how close it was against India in the final they easily could have gone on to win that tournament with the form they are in so uh, I think Australia will have too much but
1: they are definitely contenders. Yeah the fine margins of, of knockout knockout sport, knockout cricket. So you've got Marizanne Cap at nine, Sophie Eccleston at 11. This is the, the last couple of spots now for both of you and, and both players you disagree on. Let's start with you, George. You've gone with Julien Goswami of India and Shabim Ishmal of South Africa at 10 and 11.
2: At 10 and 11, yeah, they are genuine tail-enders, <laughs> which will be very entertaining for everyone to watch. Rabbit in headlights. Uh, Goswami at 39. She's a real legend of, of Indian cricket. She's going to turn 40 this year. Why I want her and my team is that she just swings it around corners, really. And I think on those fresh New Zealand pitches, she's going to cause a real lot of damage. Uh, She's she's so good, they've even made a Bollywood film about her. That's how good she is. So this will probably be the last time we see her on the international stage, you'd expect. But people were saying that in the last World Cup. So that's why she's in my team, purely because that ability with the new ball to swing it all over the place. And then at the other end... I've got Shabnim Ismail steaming in, the fastest bowler in women's cricket.
0: And gone! Shabnim Ismail is on a hat trick,
2: and she's picked up two massive wickets. Very clever, very smart, and very accurate from Ismail. She's going to cause all sorts of trouble, and then those two again, similar to the batters, such contrasting styles is going to make it really hard for the opposition. With one who's swinging it and one who's you know digging in bouncers, heading towards your head. It's not going to be very fun. It's not going to be much fun for the for the batters
1: coming up against those two. No, it doesn't sound too fun, but your bowling lineup are very, very good. Well, Marazan Kapp of South Africa, Sophie Eccleston of England, Julang Guzwami of India, and then Shabim Ismail of South Africa. You mentioned Ismail, yeah. one of the fastest you said in women's cricket. You've gone for perhaps one of the most fiery in Catherine Brunt, kit <laughs> for England, and also Deepi Sharma as well, who possibly could be touching on a third all-rounder.
0: Yeah, I mean... Well,
1: We'll, the go for the, we'll go for the <laughs> elephant
0: in the room first of all. My, my tail is substantially shorter than, than George's. Deep Sharma, she is a genuine all-rounder in my opinion. Um, she averages 36 with the bat in, in ODIs, which is pretty good. And she's got a high score of 188. So um, if I've got her at number 10, that means that the, the nine nine women ahead of her must be must be in pretty good nick as well. But just generally on Sharma, I think she's one of the most underrated women's cricketers in the world, and that's because she doesn't really do anything particularly flashy with the bat or the ball, but she's just got really fantastic numbers. I've mentioned her batting average. She's got um, 79 ODI wickets at an average of 30, and she's in really good form as well. Good debut WBBL campaign with the Sydney Thunder, and another of those players that represents the emerging Indian force in women's cricket. And, yeah, I'll do, I'll do Catherine Brun as well, who can't can bat a little bit as well. But, I mean, what's not what's not being said about mm-hmm. Catherine Brun, she's been around forever. Um, oh my, oh, <laughs> she might have liked you for <laughs> I, 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 meant, I meant that um, in the most positive way possible, <laughs> Catherine. Um, 2004, she made her debut, and she is still going strong at the moment, as shown by the recent Ashes series. Eight wickets in that test, which pushed England almost to a remarkable victory. Um, she's a feisty character as well. Um, we remember her battles with Shafani Verma last summer, so hopefully you they'll know, get on
1: in, in, in our team,
0: but I'm sure they will. Go. The contest is no contest. Catherine Brunt.
2: Well, this is a brilliant delivery from Catherine Brunt.
0: She could provide like really important energy for England. It's been a long winter for them. And just, yeah, she's an excellent bowler as well, swings around corners too, and always a threat for the
1: wickets. I wouldn't worry she won't be listening. So you can say, well, might be. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> to complete your team, then you have gone with Deep Sharma and Catherine Brun. So, kit your 11 is Smriti Mandana from India, Shefali Verma of India, Beth Mooney of Australia, Meg Lanning at four, of Australia, Stephanie Taylor of West Indies at five. Your two all rounders are Tahila McGrath. Australia and Amelia Kerr of New Zealand and your four bowlers, Deepi Sharma, Marazan Kapp, Catherine Brunt, and Sophie Eccleston. Against George's 11 of Smriti Mandana of India, Shafali Verma of India, the two same openers. Heather Knight, England skipper at three, Meg Lanning at four, Elisa Healy at five, Tahelia McGrath at six. Three small Australians there in the middle order. Amy Safaway of New Zealand at seven, Marazan Kapp, Sophie Eccleston, Julan Goswami and Shabim Ismail making up your team. So, so who? which one's better? Oh, have no more sitting on the fence. No, no, no. I'll let the public, the public decide oh, okay. that. They uh, can comment on the article and choose their favourites. Most of your team consists of Australians and Indians. Are we saying they are the favourites then, George?
2: I think they're very close. I think the Australia, India and England are probably the, the three who people, people are picking as as the favorites with Australia at the top of that list, maybe India just behind England after that very disappointing ashes series where they didn't really uh, didn't really compete at all. Hopefully they will have got that out of their system from an English perspective. But yeah, I'd say Australia are the main favorites. India are definitely with a chance and then England outsiders, not, not uh, generous outsiders. Outsiders of the insiders,
1: <laughs> if you will. <laughs> nice and clear for everyone. George makes a good point, though. England have just played Australia. They've Perhaps got a few scars from the beating they got in Australia. Will that affect them when they take them on and the, the first game on Saturday, very early on Saturday morning?
0: I think it could, to be honest, because we haven't really talked... We've talked a lot about the women's ashes test, but we should talk about the one there really quickly. Because England got hammered in all three of those. It was at the end of a long tour... But they're still on tour now so that's not going to get any easier and yeah they they, they got destroyed frankly there were all three games were decided by a really bad England batting collapse and so i think that first game against australia is really important they can lose it fine but if they lose it in in that same fashion again i mean they, they, there could be some demons there for England mm-hmm. that, that could be tough to get over so it's a really important and considering it's just the first game of of seven, I believe, in the group stage, it's it's really important for frame on that. Yeah. I also think, um, just looking
2: back at the 2017 World Cup, England's run was almost perfect in terms of the fixtures they had. Like they, although they had that defeat to India, they had a lot of fixtures against what you'd call the minnows, which really helped them build up their confidence before coming into that fixture against Australia, which they eventually won. Whereas this time around, they're getting their, they've got their hardest game first up, so whether they'll be in the right frame of mind for that. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to finish on a positive note. Can England do it? I think England can. I think they can do it because the bulk of the team from 2017 is the same. Whether those players are at the same level as they were five years ago, we don't really know. But there's definitely a chance. There's a chance. We can dream.
1: See how I asked George to finish on a positive kit rather rather than yourself. Yeah, that's fair enough.
0: We don't
1: want to be so to <laughs> well, England have got a team of winners. They were are the defending champions, having won it in 2017. fingers crossed, they can do it again. This time, the World Cup just to recap gets underway on Friday. The first game is between New Zealand and West Indies again in the early hours of the morning. Kit and George, thank you very much Thanks for joining thank me. Thank you for having us. I've been Ollie Slack, and you've been listening to our South West Londoner Women's Cricket World Cup preview. The tournament gets underway Friday morning, and make sure to visit South West Londoner, SWLondoner.co.uk, to keep across all of the action. Until next time, goodbye.